Hello, 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 and welcome to episode two of the Crooked Crime Sisters podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and this is Tristan. Hey. And we are back again for another doozy. We are sisters from the Pacific Northwest, and every Thursday, we are here to give you the details of a crime that you may already know and discuss our thoughts and opinions. Like you, we are completely obsessed with true crime. Not in like a weird, morbid way though. And we too realize that many criminals find Pacific Northwest is the perfect place to make their twisted fantasies a reality. We are not professionals by any means, but rather just crime enthusiasts who like to talk. So with that, let's get started. And again, disclaimer, we're just having fun. We are not professionals. If you do not agree with our opinions or anything like that, that is a-okay. We are just here to talk about the crime and... I don't know. Speak our mind. Exactly. It's just our little hobby, little fun time. We can <laughs> bonding. We can do what people do. And if you don't like it, lick a butt. Dude, I know. It's like I can do that. It's like Shark Tank. I should have made. I could have thought of I that. I could have done that. I thought of that years ago. Exactly. So here we are. We're putting our foot down. We're gonna do it. We are. Everybody else is doing a crime thing. That's kind of like when I made my cat on Instagram. Everybody else's cat has an Instagram. Why can't my cat have an Instagram? And so I did. And then I, I made your away. son an Instagram. <laughs> you did. Tom says no. And I was like, it's like a parody Instagram. I wasn't even like, look at this cute kid. He's yeah. Posted. It was like. Make but everybody of- loved it. Who didn't make fun of me or Tom? Tom. Did make I don't know. Like, kind was- of, it's kind of like a mob boss. Like, just showed him in action. I love it. I like revisiting it. It's great. How was your day today? So what was your coffee I brought you? Oh, it's over there. I can see it, but I and I can taste it. I, I even can't. like use my little free. Did you really? I use my free one on you. Ooh! On you, and it's nowhere to be seen. No, it's right there. Oh, well, I see. Yeah, it, I was gonna say, you can it's see not. Near it's right there. You, you can see it. It's not near me. No. A little disappointed, but yeah. I mean, I'm gonna drink the rest of it because I need the rest of it because today has been. You think this case is a doozy? My day has been a doozy. I'm going to get my drink right now in the middle of, for those of you who care, if anybody listens to this, I drink a medium dream weaver mocha freeze at a dub shot. So it's basically diabetes in a cup. And let me preface that. You do not usually drink that. When it's free, you drink it. Yeah. Usually I drink a smaller one with less coffee. She's not that crazy. I am though. Sometimes. Your podcast and your coffee order is really showing your true colors right now. <laughs> She's obviously a psychopath. Yeah, it's great. That or it would make me seem like I'm like one of those thousand pound sisters. I mean. I don't want to be labeled as that. Well, no, for me. <laughs> I, guess you're you're a, I guess you're a sister, so that's rude. Okay, we're not like that either. Gosh. By the way, we look nothing alike. So if you did see us in person, you would be like, no, they're just friends. There's no way they're related. Accurate? I'm never gonna show my face. You're never gonna <laughs> No one will know who I am. <laughs> I did put Charlie's picture as your, <laughs> uh, yeah, your about true. me picture, so see your true identity son. will be saved. I agree. You see my dog on the street though. <laughs> I guess you'll know. You're gonna be like, hmm. She have a dog walker or is that real? I All right. like people to think I have a dog walker. Yes. I that we're rich enough walker. to have a dog yes, walker? I do. That we're not just doing this because we want to be famous someday? I'm not lying. I do have a dog walker. It's her boyfriend. <laughs> just kidding. No, no, I just gave it away. Gosh, you're not helpful at all. I'm not. I'm, not. I'm sorry. All right. Are we ready for this one? Are you ready? Are, Are you ready hanging on the edge of your seats? No. That's a queen reference. 
I, I got the reference, oh, okay, but fine. fine. I wanted to be honest in this podcast. <laughs> You're not ready. Anyway. Okay. Well, where do where do we start? Does she have a name? She got a nickname. She got like Dirty Diane. I don't know. She was like the first like nationwide like mother killer, but she, I wouldn't say she mother was, killer. She doesn't kill moms. Like a killer mother. Mother killer. <laughs> <laughs> a killer mother, a killer mother, right? Yeah, like a mother. Yeah, not a killer like a good mother. mother, not like killer. Oh uh, yeah, killer. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Like no. She, she but she didn't kill mom. She she killed. Yeah, as a mom, she killed her kids. kids. Yeah, as a child okay. killer. Oh my god, we're so stupid. This has no, to be no, no. But like people listen, what are they gonna think? <laughs> she doesn't kill moms. <laughs> she, she doesn't kill moms. All right, this is not a funny thing to laugh about. I'm so confused. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, real talk though. We are going to be discussing the crime of Diane Downs. And Diane is a currently incarcerated criminal for the rest of her life. Okay. So let's with that, let's let's just let's just jump on in to the crime line. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. The crime line. Here's our story begins in the small town of Springfield, Oregon, in the year 1983. This is a significant year because this is the year we got Mario. Hells yeah. Everybody loves playing Super Mario. I love that game. This was also the year of Return of the Jedi, Star Wars fans, as well as Flashdance. Ooh. And it was also the year that we received Microsoft Word. Still useful. Everybody had Swatch Watches. And my favorite songs, Billie Jean and Beat It, were released by Michael Jackson. Can we can we just say something? What? I, I just need to like admit something. What? I have no idea what a swatch watches are. What oh are my you, gosh! It's a brand of watches. <laughs> oh, I was like, does it like? Do you want to like, like connect them? Like, no, it's you just swatch your swatch watch. Like, like it's well, an eighties thing. I like, don't get that. I have no idea what that is. I'm not even like from the eighties. Like, how do you? I don't understand what the word swatch has to do with it. Swatch is literally just like the name. Like Nike is a brand of shoes. Swatch. Is, is that it, not a word? It's, that's not a word. It's not a word. It's an oh. actual, like, check check it. To check it. I thought swatch is like, no. Swap. No. Like, that, it's not. They're just, I've, they're just never, a brand. Oh, they're, oh. they're just watches. That's swatch, what, watch. See, that's not what I pictured. Yeah, just watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyways, it is 1983, and Diane, whose actual full name is Elizabeth Diane Downs, has in recent years moved up to Oregon and is traveling with her three young children on a creepy old back road. Creepy old back road. Was it like nighttime? Was there spooky skeletons walking <laughs> spooky around? Spooky skeletons? Like an abandoned farm, barn? Like, I'm trying to think, what is it? What is it creepy? Why is the road creepy? Um, well, for starters, it's called Old Mohawk Road. Which, to me, just sounds like it's from some, like, Scooby-Doo crime. And, you know, this is Oregon. So, Oregon's primarily known for the city of Portland. And then it's it's either, like, you have Portland or you have, like, farm towns. Like, there's no, like, I don't Portland feel like there's in nothing. between. Yeah, it's, like, Portland or nothing. It's, like, the city or, or not the city. So, this is Springfield. So, yeah, we're thinking, like, I don't know, fields out in the, out on some old dirt road. Who knows? It's like nighttime now. It's it's, it's nighttime and it's and May and they sightseeing in the night. They are they are out sightseeing. So I don't know. 
Diane is out sightseeing, sure, with her kids in the middle of nowhere. And she sees some man on the side of the road, like, start to, like, wave her down. Mind you, this is an old, dark road, and her kids are all asleep in the car with her. So, I don't, I, I mean, I don't even know where to start here. I guess I will preface with the fact that, yeah, sure, it's 1983. So, like, cell phones aren't a thing. Like, GPS isn't a thing. Like, I just don't know, as a mom, like, what planet you Wait, have. Wait, she stopped the car? Yes. Oh. Did I not say that? No, Sorry. You didn't say that. Okay, you okay, decide, okay. There's some dude on the Yeah. Dark so road. Diane decides, yeah, F that noise. Because as a mom, as a mom, I don't care who you are. Like, unless it's maybe if it was you waving me down on the side of the road, I'd stop. But like, like if you knew who I was? Yeah. Like if I. Oh, if I was your sister. <laughs> I hope so. God. <laughs> With my kids in the car, like, who stops for like a wait, person? Wait, wait, if the kids weren't. We're in the car, you wouldn't say <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I would think about it. I'm, tr- I'm just trying to, like, put myself in her shoes and, like, okay, you're out sightseeing, which let's all call BS on that, but you're out sightseeing at night and, like, you are driving down the road and you see some random hobo, like, wave you down and, like, you wouldn't stop by yourself. You wouldn't stop, like, if you have kids in the car, but clearly, like, this is not the mindset of this woman. So, I don't know. There's so many, like, red flags with this story. Yeah. Which, let me also say, I've I've read some things that say, like, she went to a friend's house earlier that night, coming back from the friend's house and decided to, like, take a different road. Which, okay, fine, I get that. Because, like, when I was, t- <laughs> when I was telling my daughter about the story, she's like, Mom, we do that all the time. And I'm like, dang, lady, don't put me and Diane Downs on the same freaking parallel shelf. Like, no thanks. <laughs> but, like, I would never stop my car with my kids. I wouldn't even stop my car if it was just you and I. I'd be Dude, way too scared. Honestly, thinking about it, I don't think I'd stop my car for anyone. Especially. No, no cell phones. No offense, but even you. No. I wasn't expecting <laughs> you to be on this random, old, abandoned road. And you just randomly were there. I was driving oh, by yeah. and I saw you. I'd be like. Okay. I might slow down, roll down my window an inch, and be like, hey, what are you doing? How can I help you? Are you actually Taylor? Are but you then, lost? Like, how? But then, okay, let's let's stop here for a second. This is a totally wild tangent, but it makes me think of that movie. Um, what's that stupid movie? I I told you to watch it. I told you to watch it. Taylor, the, you told me to watch so many movies. I, I do tell I you to watch, watch so many them, and I never watch them. No, you did watch this because you told me you watched it. Ready or not. And remember, like, when she runs out into the middle of the street after she, like, gets out of the house, mm-hmm. and she, like, tries to flag down a car, and they, like, totally bypass her, yeah. and as the person watching it, you're like, oh my gosh, how could anybody do that? Like, how could you just pass some poor innocent girl standing on the side of the road? But then, on this side of the thing, it's like, I'm stopping for you. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, she's in a wedding dress, and, like... All bloody. She looks crazy. Yeah, she did. So, like, as a mom, if I had my three kids in the car, I'd be like... Sorry, B. I'll go call the cops for you. Yeah, exactly. And just drive on by. So, I don't know. That's. I feel like we're going way too far into this, but... I just don't know if I'm a good person anymore. <laughs> I don't know if Ever. I'm a good person. <laughs> I don't think I would. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. So, all right. So, Diane stops, and she claims that this man wanted her vehicle... She tries to say no to him, and that's when he opens fire on her three kids. So now she's got her wounded children, and Diane, being the amazing mother that she is, she makes escape for a nearby hospital. 
Which, like, you have to wonder, uh, did she even know where the hospital was? Was there a closer hospital? Like, how far away from this road? And I didn't do that research. Like, I didn't look at those roads to see, like, okay, point A to point B was 4.6 miles. Like, I don't know. Yeah, there's usually not the little hospital signs on, <laughs> on old back roads. roads. I mean, if I feel like you shouldn't be driving over there. There's a hospital sign on old back roads. Like, this accident's yeah. happened enough. You need to put a hospital sign? Anyway. But yeah, there's usually no, like, hospital this way. So but how did she know where she was going? She's, like, in her hometown, right? Like, this is... No. So, actually, Diane had just, like, recently, in her, like, recent weeks slash months, like, moved... Moved from Arizona to Oregon due to her job as a postal worker. So she takes a background she doesn't know, and she's trying to find a hospital. That just sounds rough. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, if you're in a place and you have no idea where anything is, and your kids have just been shot, like, what do you, what do you do? How do you respond? Freak out. Yeah. I mean, freaking out. (laughs) Okay, you don't have children, so let's preface this, but, like, I can only imagine, like, you, you personally, like, what would you do without a cell phone, without anything, like... I don't know if I, you know, I I really think it, like, it would be life or death, but I think I would just literally break down and, like, just sit and sob. Exactly, that's what I mean. I don't think I I would know what to do. I would just go... Ah, like she just freaked <laughs> out and yeah. like crying and everyone's crying in the car I'm crying I mean that's gonna be an everyday like I think task with all my children if someone's crying in the backseat I'll cry too like oh, I don't want to be here either yeah but <laughs> I can't even imagine like having no idea yeah not knowing where you are your kids have just been shot like how yeah, how is a mom like how as a person do you even react because come on like even if you had my kids in the car I feel like you would have kind of been a mess I feel like you would take care of them. I'm not saying you wouldn't take care of them. I just, we both have issues. Okay. Let's, let's preface. As we both we have issues. I all know. I wouldn't stop. So. <laughs> she wouldn't have even I stopped. I wouldn't even have The that kids would have been fine. So yeah. Anyways. I'll put myself in these situations. Yes. So let's just jump back into the story. Sadly, her poor kids are facing a worse fate than just being shot in the dark on a back road. Diane pulls into the hospital in Springfield around 10 p.m. with her kids. Obviously, doctors come out and start assessing the children. So we have Christy, the middle child, and she's seven, and she is pronounced dead pretty much immediately due to the shot. Um, Daniel, the youngest and only boy, he's aged three, and he's completely paralyzed, but they don't know this at this point. They're just trying to, like, get them in and and take care of them. And then Cheryl, the the eight-year-old, suffers a stroke and um honestly like the doctors didn't really have a whole lot of hope for her like they were kind of super concerned about her even making it through the night however she ends up living which is good good news news. um not even a single ounce of emotion was found on this woman from the time that she started talking to the doctors they were already under the impression that something like just wasn't really right like she was super calm and it was like it just really eerie for a mom who like literally brought her three bloody children into the er like i can only imagine that sight but then like to be a doctor like intaking that like you have to worry about these kids but then you also have to pay attention to like okay what's going on here yeah how did the kids end up like that yeah exactly so the cops arrive Diane starts to share her, like, absurd story of some weird haired man on this back road who was trying to carjack her and ended up shooting her children. 
So then she jumps into like urgency and is like, hey, cops, like we need to find this fugitive that hurt my babies. So how is she eager to get her story out, but then like has no emotion? So at first she's just like, here's my kids. Can you take care of them? Like she's not, I, I feel like any mother, if their kids, like she would be running into the hospital, freaking out, saying, I don't care. I ain't signed no wait list. Yeah. Take these kids now. Or I'm gonna screaming, crying, yeah, like I would be out. a freaking mess. Absolutely. Like yeah. Tom had a seizure when he was three and I was like I couldn't even like speak on the phone with you yeah. kind of thing. Like I yeah. can't imagine them actually like bleeding out kind of thing in front yeah, of you. Just like casually just walking into the hospital. Hey. But then, and then she shows up and just tells the cops like, okay. Let's get on the case, boys. Yeah. Go find him. Like, like go do your job. Huh? <laughs> like, wait a minute. What? But what happened is, yeah, like, what I feel like they were kind of doing. A little sus. A little sussy to me. Yeah. So, like, obviously her story doesn't add up, and the police start to have their investigation. Let me also note, poor Cheryl. I have a nine-year-old, so, like, a year younger than my own daughter, is recovering from a stroke, which, hi, an eight-year-old having a stroke, like, that's kind of, like crazy pants to begin with like yeah. my grandpa had a stroke but he's 75 you know it's don't really hear about that. you don't really hear about it happening unless it's like super super traumatic so Cheryl is eight years old recovering from a stroke and she has some pretty different reactions whenever her mom comes to visit her in the hospital and it's like bad enough that like all the nursing staff start to notice and like anytime Diane would like walk into the room even though her body was, compl- like, even though she was unconscious, like, her body was reacting and, like, her vitals would, like, spike up and That's those kind of things. crazy. Which that is, like, insane. And sad. Like, I feel, like, Ugh. super, super sad. So, at that point, like, the cops kind of step in and they're, like, yeah, we need to make sure that, like, these kids are monitored, like, 24-7. So, they were never alone. Good stuff, cops. Yeah, That's like, not job. even, like, with their mom kind of thing. So when they do that, they have to, like, start their investigation or whatever, and they find out that Diane's marriage um, has totally fallen apart, and that's kind of, like, why she moved to Oregon. We also find out that she was, like, madly in love with some married man, and it's not even really stated whether or not the affair was, like, factual or, like, actually happened, Mm -hmm. but this guy, his last name's, like, Knickerbocker or whatever, said when he was interviewed, like, he was super happy to see, like, Diane move to Oregon. Like, he was happy to just kind of, like, get rid of her. Wait. (laughs) Right? Wait, he said, the girl I'm having an affair with, thank God she left? Yeah, like, pretty much. So, like, that's what I mean. Like, I don't know, like, was this, because he says, like, oh, she was a stalker, and I was So he does not confirm the affair. I, that's what I mean. Like, I couldn't really get, like, a ton of clarity on it. Like, whether it actually happened, or, like, if, like, okay, let's say Diane is, like, yes, of having an affair with this man, blah, 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 like whatever. And then he was like doing the deed and doing the affair. But then once he like found out she was crazy, he's like, I ain't. Yeah, part of I'm this. out. And yeah. then like wants to deny the whole entire thing. But then like, I don't know. Sounds like a man thing to do. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, anyways, uh, yeah, Diane, her marriage fell apart because it sounds like both of them were kind of unfaithful to each other and her ex-husband states that their youngest son, Danny, wasn't even his, which that's also hasn't really been like confirmed or denied. It's just kind of like one of those things. So either way, like they're divorced. She moves up to Oregon because she has a job with the postal office. She takes the kids. That's why they are in Oregon. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
So that's where it's kind of like we're wondering like how far the uh, the Knickerbocker guy was involved because when the police actually did get to interview him and when they interviewed the ex, both men confirmed that Diane had three weapons. She had a Ruger 22, which just so happened to be the murder weapon, which was nowhere to be found. What'd she do with the weapon? Oh my god, I didn't think about that. I never thought of that. Yeah. How'd she hide it? No, because that's Where'd the crazy thing. I don't know if it was her brother or her dad ends up being the one that like puts out an ad for the gun and they end up finding it in like California in a like drug raid. So like oh. someone had it. So that's where I don't know how they pair it. Like, do they pair it like, oh yeah, like she she definitely gave the gun or like, oh no, this guy's actually the one who shot the kids and he took the gun. That is a sleazy thing to do though. You could totally just like, this is awful, like murder someone and just like sell it. Yeah. Hopefully sell it on the black mark under, you know, not yeah. legally. And like, hopefully you just, well, and it was wash your hands of it and walk away. The cops like drug the Mackenzie river. Cause that was like the closest like uh-huh. body of water and never found anything, but they never said that the gun was found like later on. Like, the cops didn't ever bring that up. Yeah, super interesting. Hmm. So, yeah. Also, she was, like, madly in love with this, like, Nick guy. This Knickerbocker guy. He called. She called him Nick. She had, like, diaries full of it. Of, like, her obsession with him kind of thing. So that's where I'm kind of, like, on this guy's side and be like, was she really just crazy and you just wanted a good bang? Or, like, what's going on? But he was happy that she left because then he got to reconcile with his wife and he made it super clear to Diane that he did not want to raise somebody else's children. So I'll just go ahead and leave that on the table. Hmm. Just let your brain process that. That is very, very interesting. Let's go ahead and recap, just for the record, all the things that are going on because there's just, there's a lot going on. Diane takes her three kids out sightseeing at like 9 p.m. in May of 1983 according to her some unknown male flags her down and she stops because she is a loving caring human i mean i don't know why would she stop this man then proceeds to shoot her three sleeping kids in the car and wounds her as well she then rushes to the hospital where one daughter is pronounced deceased her son is paralyzed and her other daughter is thought to not even make it through the night now mommy diane super calm cool and collected She starts going hard at the press, urging the police to help her find the monster that has hurt her babies. By the way, every time, every time Homegirl makes it on the TV, she is dressed up, she is done up, and she is looking fly. You know, just like every other distraught mom would be after the horrific tragedy. I'm also not saying that makes her instantly guilty. I just think it's kind of weird. Just, I guess, kind of interesting. But moving on. She's doing her job as a postal worker and basically cons some fool into doing the dirty and she gets knocked up. Okay, okay. 1983. How do you even hook up with someone without an app? I don't understand. Like, right? <laughs> well, who, who's freaking dumb enough to be like, hey, that postal worker, she's real hot. Like, it happened through her route. And what postal workers even walk to the front freaking door? And also, like, isn't she like top news? Like, when right? Does she know she is like nation nationwide news. This woman. Well, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't nationwide at that point. Like, 
Okay, that's probably town-wise. Yeah, definitely in the town of Springfield. And, like, Springfield's small, but it's not, like, that small. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know. It doesn't even, I guess it doesn't even matter, because... It happened. Yeah, she got, she gets pregnant. So, with the cops watching her every single move, Diane doesn't stray away from the spotlight since, you know, she's pregnant and all now. Also, suspiciously, being suspected as the person behind the murder and mayhem of her own kids, that's when the police actually uncover blood spatters outside of the vehicle rather than on the inside where she said the shooting took place. Then, here comes this. Imagine me pointing my finger. Uh, I'm pointing a finger for, we're counting flags. Oh, we're we're counting flags. Okay. (laughs) Uh, a witness comes forward and states that he, she, too, was out on that old road that night and saw Diane at the time of the crime. However, they were not blown away by her high, fast-speed race car driver skills as she raced towards the hospital because, in fact, there was no way this woman was going over 10 miles an hour. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I feel like that would cause more distraction if she was... Not like speeding to the hospital. Like if you saw someone going ten miles per hour on the road, like you get pissed off and you're like, "Hi, excuse me, what are you doing?" Yeah, like you go around yes. them. Like I and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know these people. So I don't know this. But yeah, like as soon as everyone found out about this, like when this was revealed, everyone was concerned, especially yeah. there because there was like an interview that she had previously done. So. Homie's caught on tape. Diane is recounting her drive to the hospital with her kids in the car. And she is seriously explaining the way that her daughter was choking on her own blood as if she was sharing with you a turkey sandwich recipe. Or, like, she talks about it and recounts it like she's telling you what she made for dinner last night. Not... Like, there's no emotion in the fact that, like, she talks about her own daughter, like, struggling to breathe in the seat next to her. And then to find out, like, she was only going 10 miles an hour. Like, a lot of people are like, uh, what, was she just hoping, like, the kids would die well, before, like, she even gets to the hospital? Like, where was her brain? Where was her mind? Suspicious. Yeah, super, super suspicious. Like, <clears throat> I don't know how you could, like, get out of this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so... Let's just say that for nine months, nothing happens with this case. No one's ever arrested. There's no actual suspects. And it's just like a stalemate. Now, I can't say that the next information is actual fact, but I will just say that it's kind of juicy to note. So apparently the team that was put together to investigate the crime at the time was facing like a financial crisis, like basically like the the police department or sheriff's office, whatever it was. So most of the guys who were put on the task force were basically taken off due to budget cuts. So let's be real. Springfield is, is a bigger place, but it's not like, it's not pop Portland. It's not popping like Portland. Like they don't have like a big giant squad that's dedicated just to these investigations. So if they have something and then they already take away that, like, There weren't really a lot of people who were working on this, which I guess at this point it was starting to become national news. Where, where's all the help? Where's all the people? That's interesting. Because I feel like even if there's like a team of four and you only took one person, like that's a lot. Yeah, exactly. Like it is a lot. So like they didn't really have like a huge Mm -hmm. team that was like based on, you know, finding who or, you know, 
who was in charge of finding who it was. Also, it says that the prosecutors and the judges that were put on the case, it was like all of their first cases. Yeah. So like it's a first time like thing for all of them. Now, again, I don't know for a fact. I was not alive in 1983. I was born in 1991. So me as a person, I don't freaking know. But in the research that I've done, it just kind of like, it. I guess it just makes it possible, not likely, possible that things could have been done incorrectly, I guess is what I'm saying. And I guess that's kind of like a thing, like, yeah, no, that's what I, but that's what I mean, like, as far as it, <clears throat> as far as, like, the crime goes, like, you know, you always, like, watch a crime documentary, and you're like, oh, well, the cop didn't do his job, or oh, oh, you know, someone got rid of evidence, so I guess it kind of leaves more room for error if we're saying that there were a bunch of people taken off the case, Yes. and all of the people who were involved in the case are brand new, like, no yeah, like, you as a person don't want your brain tumor to be operated on by the student, like, college graduate. yeah, exactly, like, you know what's gonna happen, but, like, to know that everybody in the room is an intern, like, nobody, <laughs> nobody knows, nobody's done it for real, like, and I'm not saying that's exactly what happened, like I said, this is just kind of, like, speculation, but if that's true, like, dang, disservice to everybody, I guess. Not even just the kids, but just everybody. Diane, trying to be as helpful as possible, voluntarily comes in to do a routine interview, and she continues to maintain her innocence. She's got this story of this straggly-haired man or whatever out there. But then, in the middle of her interview, she suddenly changed her changes her story from there just being one man to now there were two men. And again, this is recorded. I've listened to the recording and there's like no denying or going back from these words, but she goes from saying that there was just one guy to now there's two and these men knew her by name and she has the name of both of them, but she kind of turns into a little snatch and gets all pissed off and she's like, but I'm not giving you their names, walks out. Like what? So they just let her walk out. Wait, wait, wait. You can't like sit on her and be like, Right? Tell me the names. Well, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. No. But see, it's difficult. Puts me a bad taste in my mouth. Right? And and even for like the guys I never that had a good taste for <laughs> that, but it's real bad now. But now it's just it's not good. It's, it's not salty. Sour. It's bitter. Yeah, it's sour and it's bitter. But yeah, she basically like just le- gets up and leaves, and like you hear the door close, and then you hear the cop say like, "Okay, like we're concluding this interview at so and so time." Huge red flags. Like, okay, lady, if you're innocent, why wouldn't you give the cops the names of the men who shot your kids? Like, how could you withhold that information and like confidently walk out of a room? So it kind of just puts her in a really, really weird spot because it makes zero sense. And also, I think it just kind of makes her like a terrible mom. Because, like, yeah, if you know who the killer is and there's no reason for you to protect those killers, why? Like, what's the point? And it was also kind of hilarious because in doing research, uh, she was able to apply for parole for the first time in 2008. And when she did apply for parole, she stated that she has remained innocent the entire time and that her story has never changed, which is super contradictory to every single interview like she's basically had. In different interviews, she said different things. So I don't know if because it was the 80s, she felt like she could just do whatever she wanted because nobody was paying attention or like what? Who knows? Finally, 
February 28th, 1984, Diane is finally arrested almost one year later under the suspicion that she was the shooter. She's Not surprised. <laughs> right? <laughs> she shows up at the police station, pregnant as ever, which I feel like is super ironic since she's literally being suspected as a killer of her children. Yet she's pregnant with another one. The year is now 1984, and so the police have had pretty good amount of time to build a solid case. They were also waiting for Cheryl, Diane's eight-year-old daughter, to recover in order to testify against her mother. The trial takes place over 31 days. Can we just take like a pause here? Where's the dad? Where's the father of these children? Right? I asked that same question. So I kind of looked into it and there's not really a whole lot known. So at one point I read something that said that he knew when the kids were shot and that like Diane. Oh, so here's something juicy. Diane called Knickerbocker first before she even called the kids' dad to let them know what happened. Suspicious. Secondly, daddy shows up and apparently they... Um, he allowed the kids to see Diane in the time when she wasn't supposed to be around them. So that's basically why the kids got taken by the state is because he was putting them in danger and they didn't want anything to happen to the children. Especially if there's no case yet. Yeah, exactly. There was no case. They didn't have suspects. They didn't have anything, but it's all like, like, yeah, that's reported, but it's, I couldn't like cooperate. There were no like multiple stories that would tell me the same type of facts. So that's where it's kind of hard. And then when I did do some more research, it's basically said that like at this point, he doesn't have anything like do with the kids. Yeah. Who even knows where he is, what he's doing. Like, I think he's still alive, but no, you'll say. What, in your heart, you think he's still alive? Do you know? No, that's what I mean. Like, like when well, I... you think he's still alive? Like, because there's nothing saying that he's dead, but there's also, like, nothing saying that, like, oh, yeah, Freddie is, a, uh, you know, works at the old lumber mill down in Arizona and spends his weekends at the fishing lodge. Like, there's nothing like that. There's no actual, like, facts of what specifically happened, so. Now the time has come. Cheryl has fully recovered and she's ready to take the stand. Now, it was said by the doctors originally because of the stroke, she would likely, one, never recover, or two, basically struggle with, like, talking for the rest of her life. However, she defies all the odds, and she fully recovers, but she was obviously in need of some severe help. In the time that she was away from her mom and in some therapy, it took a really long time for, he, for her to even start speaking, and then once she was able to speak, she wasn't even ready to reveal who the shooter was. So her therapist would have her write down the name of the killer and then like throw it into a fire and immediately burn it without anybody seeing who it was. And because there were no cameras in the courtroom, because this was like not the norm, um, we don't have like, we don't have a recording. We don't have a video tape or anything like that. All we have is like the script, which I don't even want to call it a script because that's not what it is. What's it called? You're not asking the right person. Okay. Well, anyways, I've read it. (laughs) This is not Bible times. Okay, whatever. Anyways, we don't have what the actual thing was at the moment. So you can only just read what she said. We don't have any, like, audio of what was taking place. However, 
witnesses that were in the room, in the courtroom when everything happened, said that it was like the most heartbreaking thing to ever see this little girl have to get on stand and like tell the truth about her own mother sitting right in front of her. I don't think anyone should be able to like have to do that. That is awful that a like little girl had to do that, but like anyone. So the daughter then identifies Diane as the shooter. And of course, Diane denies the girl's accusation and is like, well, because she's been away from her mom, like clearly she's been coerced by the police and this is all fake. And like her own freaking daughter just had to identify her own mother, like the one who brought her into this world and is supposed to protect her and take care of her. Like she just identified her as the one who killed her sister and paralyzed her brother. And then for her mom to just be like, well, I think she's lying. Like we really going to believe kids nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Like. I can't, yeah. All right. June 17th, 1984, there is a unanimous guilty verdict. And we have a quote that says, the jury of nine women and three men deliberated for 36 hours before returning its unanimous verdict. Guilty of murder for the shooting and death of Cheryl Lynn Downs. Guilty of attempted murder in the shootings of Christy Ann Downs and Stephen Daniel Downs. Guilty of first degree assault for the attack on her three children, end quote. It was also said that she looked like she had, like, zero emotion as the judge delivered the sentence. So she received life in prison plus 50 years with no possibility of parole. And this is unfortunately where we have to end today because there is still way more to come. But we got to wrap it up. So let's see us next week for the conclusion of this crazy, crooked crime. Bam. See ya. All right, and for the record, I am an idiot, and I just need to state that the entire time I have been using the name Cheryl for the daughter that is in fact alive, and her name is Christy. So every time you hear the word Cheryl, her name is actually Christy, because Cheryl, unfortunately, is the one who passed away. So, also, we will be doing an episode wrap-up for this case, however, because this series is going to be two parts uh, you, you just don't have all the facts yet. So we have to make sure we give you all the facts before we can give you our opinions. And yeah, can't wait for you to listen to the next one. I need to look up what a swatch watch is. Yeah, I guess you do. Bye.